0: I saw Martin Dooley's arrive a few minutes after everyone had climbed back into their cars and left for home. Dad has stayed behind in the office to go over a few papers with Mr. Cleaner from the bank. I looked, I took a walk through the horse barn as I waited for dad to finish. The sweet aroma of fresh straw made me happy. And I imagined the stalls filled with horses. When I heard a hard thud of boots stomping over the snow, I peered out the window and saw Martin Dooley walking fast, his purple-gloved fist swinging at his side. I held my breath. What is he doing here? Martin Dooley isn't uh, tall or big or muscular, but he does look powerful and important. It's hard to explain. He isn't very good-looking. He has tiny gray bird eyes the size of marbles and a turned-up nose. His lips are practically as pale as his skin. He's in his 40s, I think, but he is sharp, bristle, white hair cut in a flat top. His hair reminds me of a hairbrush. I've never seen him smile. Dad Dad once said that Martin is like a shark. He never looks from side to side. He just barks forward with his teeth snapping. He wears a very extensive suit that he buys in New York and a colorful white white ties with Wildflower's design that don't suit his personality at all. And he splashes clone on his face that makes him smile like a lemon or smell like a lemon. Through the barn window, I glimpsed his long black overcoat with fur trim collar, and his polished black boots as he hurried over to the snow to the office. At first, I decided to stay in the warmth and safety of the stables, but my curiosity got the better of me. I crept to the side door where I could overhear the conversation. The door had a frosted glass window. I stayed back a few feet, eager not to be seen. Through the smoky glass, I watched the blur image Of my dad jump up from his desk. Martin, what are you doing here? He couldn't hide his surprise. Martin's heavy boots made the floor creak as he crossed the room. I think he forgot to send me an invitation, Angelo, he said. His voice is deep, but he always speaks softly as it's holding himself in. His parents came from Ireland. He speaks with a tiny bit of an Irish accent. Dad says he puts it on because he thinks it's charming. Well, I'm very surprised. Dad started. I'm the one who's who's surprised. Don't you know? Martin interrupted. I expected gratitude from you, Angelo. Instead, I get betrayal. My dad hesita- hesitated. Betrayal. That's a strong word, Martin. I haven't betrayed anyone, especially you. If you're talking about stables, I discussed it with you, and and we decided it was a mistake, a bad idea. Martin snickered, and, and an idea whose time has come, hasn't come. I clenched my fists. I wanted to shout out and protest. I held my breath to keep myself from making you sound even though the door and I could feel the in- tension in the room, that room distorted in the frosty window glass. I saw Martin Dooley lean over the desk, bring his face close to my dad, challenging him. Angelo, did you really think I could allow this to happen? Dad was silent for a moment. You have no choice, he said sharply. My dad can be tough when he wants to be. No choice, Martin uttered a mindless, uh, mirthless laugh. This is a stable. We will not stand be standing in the, a year. That's not a prediction. It's a fact. Dad stood head to head with Martin Dooley. I don't think so. We have, uh, we have anything to say. Uh, I don't think we have anything to say to one another, he stammered. I think Martin duly slammed a fist on the desk. Do you really think I will allow a stable boy to destroy my business? I think you should leave, Dad insisted. His voice tremored with an anger. I think you should have or you should leave. I was, I was your business manager. I ran your business. I've earned a little respect. I'm not a stable boy, Martin. Perhaps you need, an eye, you need eyeglasses. I'm not. And how can you explain your daughter? Martin suddenly changed the subject. I gasped and took a step back from the door. Did he see me? Is that why he mentioned me? My dad sputtered in surprise. Explain. My nephew, Aaron, tells me that she keeps rejecting him. Does Beth really think she's too good to go out with my dually? Martin boomed. You've put some bad ideas in her head. Angelo, bad ideas. Your daughter is very confused, but don't worry. My nephew, Aaron, will teach her what is what. Dad had remained in control, but now he began to shout, why are you talking about Beth? Why do you bring up my daughter? Your worthless nephew isn't going to teach her anything. Get out of here, Martin. You have no business talking about my daughter. You have no business. You're a stable boy, Angelo, Martin screamed back at him. You're a stable boy. You belong with shovels in your hand. Only you know what, I think. You're not good enough to shovel what uh, my horses leave on the ground. You need to be taught. Martin never finished the sentence. I heard a hard back, a gasp, as I realized my dad I punched him. Martin Cry rang off to the bare bare stable walls. My hand trembled as I pulled the door open a little wider. My heart was racing, beating so hard on my uh, chest ached. Martin Dooley's head was lowered. He rubbed his jaw. He raised his face slowly. His cheeks were scarlet. His eyes were watering pools. My dad stood behind the desk with his fist still clenched beneath or beneath his open suit jacket. Dad's chest was heaving. Dad's chest was heaving up and or heaving up and down. Martin bent to pick up his hat off the floor, still rubbing his jaw. He narrowed his eyes in a cold, menacing stare. I'll be back, stable boy. He said softly, you've made a big mistake. It wasn't an empty threat. Two days later, my family paid for the punch. Dad had uh, landed on Martin Dooley's jaw. Two days later, my life ended. Chapter five. The first horse were, were to arrive at our stables that night. In the afternoon, dad held a meeting of his workers, six of them all, to discuss the assignments. I was there because the boiler had broken at a shady side high, and the school was closed. Dad gave me a job. He had a dozen of rain, dozen reins and harnesses tangled together in the big wooden crate. He asked me to pull them out to untangle them. I was halfway through a crate when Dad ended the staff meeting. They all hurried to their cars to take a short break before the horses arrived, and things would get crazy. A bunch of black leather reins were tangled together like snakes. I was leaning over the crate, working on them with both hands. When I heard a car pull up at the gravel drive, curiously, I pulled myself up straight and crossed the office door. I guess as two men in large black overcoats burst noisily into the office. I blinked several times. I didn't really believe that I was what I was seeing. Their faces were hidden. They had black wool masks over their face. Their wide brim hats pulled over, pulled low. Startled, Dad jumped up from behind the desk. What? The two men rushed forward and grabbed him roughly by his arms. Dad twisted and squirmed and tried to free himself. They struggled. What is this? Is this a robbery? I don't have any money here. What do you think you're doing? He managed to pull one arm free, but the masked men grabbed it and twisted it hard behind dad's back. Dad let the sharp cry out. You, you're breaking my arm. What is this about? What are you doing? We have a surprise to Martin. Dooley, one of them, I Almost cried out when he gave dad a sharp blow in the back of his neck with his open um, hand. Dad groaned and his head slumped for forward. His shoes scraped against the floor as the two men dragged him to the door. I didn't move. I couldn't breathe. I stood staring with every muscle in my body, tense and tight as if I'd been tied up with rope. This isn't happening. I didn't really believe it. This kind of thing happens only in the movies, right? Halfway, the door, dad groaned again and one punch gave him another hard punch in the back of the neck. Dad had jerked back, then fell forward. His arms fell limp over the overcoat, shoulders of two men as they dragged him. When the door slammed hard behind them, the sound finally shocked me out of my stupor. I staggered into the now empty office, gasping for breath. A flood of questions washed over me. Where are they taking him? What are they going to do to him? What should I do? I glimpsed dad's car keys on the edge of the desk. I realized I had to follow them. I can help him. I know I can. I have to help him. I swapped the car keys off the desk, my hands cold and wet. I stumbled the door, my heart racing. I knew I had to calm down. My whole body was shaking. My head was throbbing. I kept hearing dad's groan of pain when the man punched him. I can't drive unless I calm down. I need to think straight. I've got to overcome this panic. I never felt anything like this. We have we all have a moment of fear, our moment of fear. I guess, but total paralyzed panic was something I never dreamed I'd be experiencing. You have your tricks, Beth remembered. You have powers. The thought gave me a little reassurance enough to start breathing again enough for my head to stop throbbing as if i was ready to burst apart though the office window I, through the office window i saw the two men heave dad into the black back seat of the long black sand- 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 sedan the afternoon sun was setting behind the trees long shadows spread over their cars as if they squealed backwards spun hard then shot down the gravel drive taking a deep, uh, deep breath fighting the panic away i waited till they were out of sight then i bolted out the door and ran to our little ford my shoes sinking into the wet snow the bursts of cold air set sent a shiver down my body but it helped revive me. I dropped behind the wheel of the fumbling the co- keys into the ignition. Please start, please start. I begged the car. The car had a habit, like not starting for the first four or five tries. I pulled out the choke, turned the key, and stepped down on the gas pedal. The car coughed once, twice, and then the engine started with a roar. I turned the car. I turned the car and gunned the engine. The tires spun on the slick surface and the car began to slide. Dad had been talking about getting new tires for ages. These were worn down for to the hubcap. I worked the wheel furiously until the tire took hold and then headed the car down the hill. During the fall, the thugs who had kidnapped my dad, I didn't expect so much traffic on the river road, people driving home from work. I turned a little too hard and nearly reared the engine a red mercury. The driver blasted his horn at me. I eased my foot off the brake and took another deep, shuddering breath. You can do this, Beth. You've got to help your father. I could see the black sedan three or four cars ahead of me. I wondered if I could keep it in sight. But then their car turned onto Park Drive and headed in the direction of North Hills. I knew their, where they were going. I didn't need to, them to show me the way. They were heading to Dooley Stable, the office and staff building. The barn stables, the supply house, and the other building of Dooley Stables Face with each other's form a wide square. The riding path led into the Fear Street Woods, which stretched behind the huge barn. In the middle of the four buildings is a courtyard big enough to hold uh, dressers or dressers and equestrian contests. The snow had been cleared from the wide uh, asphalt driveway that led the park. Parking lot beside the staff building. I pulled to the Ford two thirds of the way dry, up the drive, just close enough to see the parking lot. The black sedan was parked at an angle next to the building, next to the building, squinting into the dying sun. I could see that the car was empty. Dad, where did they take you? I murmured out loud. I shout out. Uh, I shut off the ignition, ignition, I shut off the ignition, 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 my car was uh, safely out of view. I decided to climb out, my breath steaming up in front of me, I gasped, then I heard the scream. I thought it uh, was my dad, but it was only a high whining horse from the long line of stalls. I let out a long whoosh of air, forced my heart to too slow. My scanning the parking lot and the front of the staff building. No one in sight. My shoes sinking into the snow. I started to make my way through or towards the staff building. I kept under the shadows of the trees that lined the driveway. Where did they take him? What do they plan to do with him? I'm in, am I in time, am I in time? I ducked against the wall at this side of the building, long silvery icicles like shiny uh, sword blades hung down from the gutter over my head. I moved forward, kept my back against the wall and studied the front entrance. Should I risk it? Go in front entrance and search for him in the staff office? I hesitated. I took a few steps towards the front doors, then stopped when I heard of, heard voices, men's voices. They seem, seem to be coming from the courtyard behind the building. The sun had started to melt, the snow leaving a slippery, slushy layer on top. I walked half slid as I made my way to the courtyard, Purple evening sunlight washed over the ground. When I saw my dad between the two masked men, I almost called out to him. As I struggled to free himself, but they held tightly to his shoulders. Uh, His hands were tied behind him. He stumbled, nearly fell, but the two thugs held him up. I took a few steps closer, squinting into haze gray light. Oh no, Dad was in his underwear. They had stripped his clothes off of him. He was in a sleeveless undershirt, white boxer shorts. He was barefoot, walking barefoot in the snow. He shouted and cursed on his two captures. At his two captures. He lowered a shoulder and tried to butt one of them. To the side, the man booted, boot tromped, uh, tromped down hard on Dad's bare feet. Dad groaned in pain. I saw the two low stake poking up his up from his the snow. The man shoved Dad into the ground. They had coiled a rope. Uh, they had coiled of ropes. They prepared to tie him down to the stakes. Please, Dad was begging now. Please let me go. What are you doing? This is crazy. You know this isn't right. Let me go. I won't call the police. I won't say anything. Just let me go. He is pleading in his voice. I'd never heard him trump one stream of words. One man shoved Dad onto his uh, back in the snow and held him in place. Another man tugged at the ropes around dad's hand and started to tie his hands to one stake. What are you doing? Are you going to leave me in the snow? You know this is murder. Do you really? The man let go of the ropes and backhanded dad across the face. Dad's head snapped into to the side. The men's turn. The men turned and went back to tying dad to the stake. Why am I standing here? I myself, why am I watching them prepare to let my dad freeze to death in the snow? I knew I had to act. Let me go. Let me go. Dad, frightened cries rang out at uh, the courtyard. Horses began to whine. There was a shrill cry, drowned out of my father's, please. The bleats of the horses echoed off the building. The sound rising until it became became deafening, a blaring animal symphony of fright and ter- of terror. I covered my ears, but I couldn't shut out the s- a shrill whining. I struggled to breathe. I couldn't feel the blood pulsate pulsating at my temples. I have power's time to use them. I shut my eyes, murmured the words I had memorized long ago, murmured the words and repeated them rapidly. Keep my eyes shut tight, seeing nothing, forcing away all the images, murmuring in soft whispers, repeating words, urging the spells to work quickly. And again, I heard my dad terrified cries. Again, the bleats of the horses drowned them out. I heard the crash of the horses kicking in their stable walls. A burst of icy wind blew through the courtyard. I remember the words and whispered, repeating them again and again. Then rushing winds with the horse kicking and crying, I opened my eyes to see what they had done. And I gasped in horror.